Welcome to the first episode of the talk show Extraordinary Women in Tech, hosted by Juliana Zilbermitz. Today's topic is balancing acts during uncertain times. Juliana, the mic is yours. Hi, everybody. I am so excited today. This is our first live interview uh, with the amazing ladies, and I'm excited because of three reasons. One is we've been connected to these ladies for a while, and we've been running AC Spotlight Series, highlighting their work. So, Camilla, your interview is coming. So if you're interested in reading about these outstanding ladies, please um, see the link after the webinar. The next reason is really about woman empowerment and also Mother's Day is coming. So those are the three reasons I'm so excited today. So I want to welcome uh, these amazing ladies and I want to introduce you to the audience. Hi, Heather. So Heather is the most innovative omnichannel expert who worked with big brands like St. John, Tommy Bahama and North Face. And most recently, Heather has been an executive at the hottest company in retail called ThreadUp who's been shaping evolution in retail, resale as a service platform. And Heather has been most recently at a thread up leading their physical store experience through their own stores, as well as many brand partnerships. Welcome, Heather. Thank you. Great to have you. And the next, um, our interviewer is Amanda. And I am, you know, so excited because we been connected for a few years. And in 2017, we were writing an article about you where you are still VP of e-commerce. Amanda is a chief digital officer now at Lagos, a famous designer jewelry brand. And prior to that, she's been working with big brands like David Yurman and Tumi. It really melts my heart to see how how you've grown through your career and now you're chief digital officer. Congratulations and welcome to our show. And uh, Last but not least Thank is you. Camilla. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Camilla started her career as an engineer and data scientist, and most recently she was a chief algorithms officer at Overstock.com. I think everybody knows this brand. Dr. Arya Farr is helping customers to discover most relevant information on products and to meet their needs in through the data and really finding the product that they need. So welcome, Camilla. Thank you, Uliana. Happy to be here. Absolutely. And I want to start with the warm-up questions, you know, like a ping-pong questions, you know, one for each lady to see how, how quickly you can respond to these, and then we can go into deeper discussion. So first question is to Amanda. Amanda, if you had a superpower, what would it be and why? Wow. Okay, so I'm going to go straight into quarantine mode. Um, and this is a quarantine superpower. Uh, I open to look at whatever's left in the refrigerator and prepare dinner. <laughs> not much, but it's something. <laughs> I love it. Instant gratification. I love it. Thank you. And Heather, question for you. If you are a movie character and playing yourself in a movie, who would be your partner and why? I think the first person that comes to mind is Elastigirl from The Incredibles. She is like so stretchy and can do everything, but she has this like hunky man by her side that like helps her power through walls and get all these things done. And they just make like a great couple. So it would be Mr. Incredible. That's right. I love it. Mr. Incredible. Camilia, question for you. If you had a magic wand and you would go any anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? That's a tough question. So um, 
I'm originally born and raised in Tehran, Iran, and my parents are in quarantine there right now. And given the situation, I think I wish I could be with them and help them during this difficult time. So I would go there. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much. Well, now I want to go into questions. And I think the first thing I wanted to talk about is woman leadership and power. And what I've noticed recently when I've been, um, I've, I've been working at Avenue Code as a VP of business development. And what I've noticed is in a global situation and global scale, how much women are joining and making the scene and decisions versus following. And now we're all in the news and women power and women leadership is really becoming a pro- uh, predominantly important. So I would like to ask you, Camelia, especially because of your background, uh, tell us a little bit more about your journey in, and career journey. How did you pick machine learning and what made you the leader today? Let us go through your journey on, on your career. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. I started my career, uh, well, it's not like it's not the career back then, but I started coding when I was six years old and I instantly fell in love with computers and just assembling them, disassembling them and learning different languages. Um, so I knew I want to have a career in computer science and in tech, um, but it wasn't until um, undergraduate and graduate school that I kind of like discovered the field of artificial intelligence and machine learning and just seeing the power and um, the flexibilities and the power that comes with automation and personalization and the ability to scale things so fast with AI was just something I was fascinated with. Um, so I, I always follow that lead um, to kind of like discover more new technologies in AI and eventually I decided to switch into leadership um, because I believe um, it's important for women and um, uh, technical women uh, to take a seat at the table to make sure that we design products for women, by women, and especially in retail, which is a field. That's amazing. Thank you so much. I, I, I totally see how your career journey just helped you be a, a spokesperson. Also, how, how women empowerment is important and also how uh, it, it's a shift from the engineering background. You know, you think that girls pick, you know, some different careers in the past, you know, you want to be in marketing or sales, but uh, that journey and then that predominantly, you know, interest for you to really make an impact in using data. That's, that's amazing. Thank you. And I have a question, same question for Amanda, you know, working at a consulting company, I see a lot of chief digital officers and most of them, you know, 90% are male chief digital officers. So for for you, being a female um, officer in digital space, can you share with us, like, what are the three pillars that guided you to become a tech executive and, you know, kind of what steered you to that journey? So I don't know if these are necessarily specific to tech, uh, but these were more my, um, my universal guiding principles and they've served me quite well. Um, So first is just being um, in a constant state of learning. So this is a space that I really, really cherish. Um, And it's helpful in an industry that is dynamic and ever-changing. So sort of being comfortable in a changing environment. And then um, number two is Probably the most important, and this is being um, able to admit 
the things that I don't know. So these have been the times in my life where I've grown the most. And number three is, um, again, sort of simple and obvious, but it's collaboration. And collaboration makes everything better. Uh, so for me, for my team, uh, it's, um, you know, you can invent alone, but it's really hard to innovate alone. So those really are the three things that come to mind. That's great. Thank you so much. And it leads to a question, the next question about uh, the situation, unique situation we're all in. You know, it's the second month we have been in a lockdown where this connection is so important and where we're really thinking about how do we balance our lives in history we all know that there, there, were, there were never times like this where everybody were sitting at home in every single country and locked down in the same situation. So I want to ask you, Heather, how are you able to balance your life in this new environment and keeping your team motivated and with caring for your home and family? I think you have kids, right? I have two girls, but I'll say that I don't know if anyone's really nailing it. I think this is really hard for everyone. And I even think for myself, who I like to think is someone that can handle a lot, this has definitely put me to the test. And I've had my moments really early on where I was just going to have a breakdown because it's being on Zoom calls, doing school in between, trying to see the sunlight and get out of the house a little bit. You know, it was all very challenging. And I think once we started getting into a routine, it really helped. I think a lot of that is just because I'm a typical A personality and I thrive in a lot of organization, uh, having things planned. When with my kids, when they're here, knowing that these are the times to do school, this is the time to do work. I always have like a notepad next to me. So they come and write notes to me instead of coming and screaming at me while I'm on a Zoom call. Um, I think it's also really helped like two things that have really, really helped me a lot is I have this weird routine every morning where I like to just be by myself and get ready in the morning. It's just my thing. I don't know why, probably because I shared a bathroom with three younger sisters and I never was able to. So it's like my alone time. And I've really tried to continue doing that just so I feel normal throughout the day. And then the second thing I've done is I use a timer a lot because I end up losing track of time. So my Apple watch has a timer and I will set it all day throughout the day to make sure I'm staying focused on like I have 30 minutes to do this and then I have to go make lunch. And then I have a half hour to that and then I'm coming back. So I definitely have kind of like learned along the way, but I don't think anyone's really like nailing it right now in life. I mean, this is all really, really hard for everybody. And so I think everyone's just sharing. Um, just everything they've learned, which has been great. This is great. Now, thanks for sharing. I think the timer idea is really good and structure when you have kids and you have to balance and do the Zoom calls and having a structure and also the notes. I really love that idea. I think I'm going to take that. <laughs> Thank you. And Amanda, from your side, you know, in your new role, I think you just got promoted right before the, um, the pandemic. What are the things and tools that you use to kind of stay connected to the team uh, through this time? Impeccable time. Well, uh, second, what Heather just mentioned, I agree. No one is nailing this. Everybody's hacking their own solutions. You know, everyone's lives were thrown upside down. I feel very happy. 
And uh, my team is digital. So for us to get our work done, it was an easy transition for us to work remotely. We do not need to be in physical office to be productive, but staying happy and motivated is an entirely different thing. So, you know, I agree with Heather. It's about, for me, it's been keeping things simple, relaxing some expectations, and staying connected. Instead of, and this is such a, it's, it's so obvious, but um, even in a digital space, we're deeply um, ways now with technology that we know and love, Zoom, like we're all doing right now, uh, FaceTime, Instagram Live, um, really staying connected with my team has been critical. And, you know, for example, we have a morning call every day at 9.30. And this is, we talk about status, we talk about challenges. We talk about what we're going to, um, you know, deal with the successes that we're having too. So just making sure that we start the day right and we're all starting it together. So that's been really helpful. Thank you so much. I know that you are somewhere in the mountains trying to escape New York City right now. So it's a little bit spotty, but totally getting what you're saying that the staying connected and virtual for, for digital world, it doesn't matter where you are. And, you know, that leads me to the next question. What I've noticed is personally, um, Avenue Code is a global consulting company. We have offices in Brazil. We have offices in Canada, in Europe, and U.S. And before, we had separate calls, scheduled calls, and we've never been connected that way before like today. The first day of pandemic, we had a call where 100% attendance was there, and everybody was so on point. Everybody was in there together, and instead of five-hour day, we now putting an eight, nine hours sitting at home instead of commuting, and we're so interconnected, and I think geography completely vanished for me personally. I feel that there is no distance anymore, and we're so in this together. So I have a question for Camelia about opportunities that this crisis is creating. You know, we're all trying to think positive, but from your perspective, Camelia, what opportunities do you think this pandemic is creating and how we can use it to our advantage in the future? Yeah, I think from a tech perspective, from a technology and innovation perspective, there are things that are definitely an upside um, and uh, they're good, actually. And those two, to me, are focusing on online education. Um, I do believe the future of education is going to be heavily in the online world. So I'm excited to see what kind of tools are developed, what kind of courses, what kind of platforms are becoming available to kind of handle this. Um, And the second one uh, is the emphasis on the remote culture, especially for engineering, machine learning, AI teams. Um, I think the future of work is somewhat remote when you're talking about engineering or, uh, you know, like the roles that are a little bit more independent. Uh, And I think for those people, it actually is quite helpful sometimes to save the time and have the flexibility uh, to work from home and work remotely. And now that the pandemic is here, there has been a ton of focus shifted into technologies like improving Zoom that we're all using right now, Google Meet, Google Hangouts, Slack, and all of the other companies that are working and creating a virtually connected space that I think is here for the long term and it's going to benefit the tech companies. Um, from a tech, uh, from a personal perspective, I think um, one thing that I found 
um, that's kind of a bright spot is the fact that working from home or working remotely has uh, empowered me a little bit to bond with my family um, just because I get to spend more time at home and even like taking a break and seeing them is uh, you know like a bright spot that I'm excited about. This, this is so true, Camelia. I've, I've been thinking about you know, even my family, how um, now we do group calls. Before it was individual calls with my mom, with my sister. Now we do group calls. We do this empowerment of, okay, what are the tools that we're using right now? Because we're all in this together in the lockdown. And, but the education is important, what you mentioned. The, the e-learning, you know, when well, I have twin boys that started at first grade and we were in a panic for the first three weeks. And now... Teachers are forced to figure it out. So now we have online different apps that we go through. We go through um, specific curriculum. The map is there is all different opportunities for them to create video chats. And and they're forced to do the e-learning in a way that will really impact the world in the future. So thanks for, for that comment. I love it. And Amanda, I'm not sure if uh, hopefully the 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 connection will improve but i have a question from you for for you in the same same way where do you see opportunities uh, after covid-19 after the crisis in the tech world and business you know it's been interesting because i've been thinking quite a lot about this um and all the trends that we have been seeing uh for the past few years are now accelerating at an accelerating rate and ramping so the three i would say the three big trends that i've been seeing in uh e-commerce and retail are sustainability local shopping and e-commerce everywhere and so i'll talk a little bit about each of those so sustainability which everybody during covid it's been now survival <laughs> but um, as soon as things settle uh, sustainability will be even more critical because we've all experienced the fragility of our environment and the fragility of our health and the fragility of our lives and well-made in a landfill is so critically important and people really care about that. Um, and then second is local shopping. So with um, COVID and our neighbors and our local shops and restaurants being forced to shutter, I think once we emerge from this, there will be in, um, a focus on um, supporting our local neighborhood digital um, parting, sort of the big faceless e-commerce uh, conglomerates. Um, and then third is e-commerce everywhere. So, you know, and this is, you know, everyone has been forced to make, to buy, to purchase everything online, uh, big and small, um, during lockdown. And even those individuals that weren't, I, I work in fine jewelry, so we sell an expensive product. And those that were, didn't feel comfortable purchasing something online are becoming much more confident and much more comfortable. And with things like 
AR and free shipping and free returns and 360 videos and live store. What you're saying is gold. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to translate it, what I'm hearing, but um, it's been hard to hard with the connection. But um, I want to summarize what you said. I think the, the importance of connecting live with local I'm shops so and creating the experience no worries. It, it's really important for, for, for the world to see how we come back to basics, but it also come back to connection. Uh, we use technology for e-commerce and we'll continue using it, but local shopping and local connection will stay there and we'll kind of come back to that. And um, so I think that's where the pillars that you were, you were navigating. So thank you so much. I know it's hard with the connection and I know you're somewhere in the mountains surviving the pandemic. So. Um, so the next question I have is the future of tech. So I've been on a Gartner uh, conference last year, and what I've heard was very interesting. You know, by 2045, most of the human beings will be embedded in some sort of technology in them. So it's human augmentation, and it's also DNA um, adjustments to really have technology be there with us all the time and also improving the e-learning and fast learning, how we really moving from, you know, having technology be there or having technology be with us. But my question for, for Heather, for you, where do you think is the biggest revolution going to happen in the next 20 years and why? So I think some of the things that I've seen since we've started shelter in place, um, one big thing was the, the, there are some companies that already had the digital readiness in place to work remotely. And a lot of those companies have been able to kind of sustain normalcy a bit longer than it seems other organizations who weren't not as well equipped. And so what I think, what I imagine is going to happen is that we're going to continue to see that digital readiness needing to be really important um, and really building the necessary structure to optimize digital even more. So if I think about it and relate in regards to the sector I'm in, which is retail, is thinking about how are, how are things going to be more contactless or touchless, but still provide a authentic and real life um, experience with a customer. So whether it's different payment solutions, uh, a different way of managing supply chain or a different way of managing a sales team, I just imagine all of that is gonna have massive change happening. And I would imagine that the companies that were well-equipped to go into this are going to be the ones that are gonna be leading that as we kind of come out of this. So I know there's so many people um, thinking and talking about what that's going to look like. And I, more than anything, I'm really curious to see how big the changes are going to be and how far we're going to leap in the next 10 years versus the past 50 years we just went through. And I think it's going to be amazing, the, the revolution that's going to take place. This is a great perspective. Thank you. I, it sounds like the digital... Um, kind of people that were um, reluctant to it and they wanted to do it a different way, everybody's jumping on the digital bus and everybody wants to do it quickly. But also what you're saying is that that speed to market, but also creating and using technology and virtual connection 
in a new way that really speeds up the process that took us years. Now it just really within months, we need to be ready in a different industries. Thank you. Yep, exactly. And Camelia, you know, uh, I think you've been in the data world for so long, analyzing data and using data. So how, where do you see the biggest impact or biggest change and shift and transformation in machine learning and data accessibility perspective from that side, uh, impacting the, the global economy and what happens in 20 years there? I think as we shift more and more to the digital and virtual experience, the role of data and machine learning, artificial intelligence is going to get more and more important from a data perspective. Uh, most of the companies have a data strategy and are collecting data right now. And some of them have the capabilities of utilizing that data through machine learning to actually personalize the experience, speed up the supply chain for retail, for example. Um, so essentially, there is a fair amount of machine learning that's happening right now. Um, I expect within the next 20 years, we will get really good about using this data through more novel machine learning, artificial intelligence uh, methods. I'm really excited about deep learning. Um, I think there is a ton of advances now in the field of deep learning, um, and it's going to create a more, uh, you know, like a, a, a more different applications for AI. Um, so this is an interesting kind of uh, factoid, but essentially uh, people have estimated in the year 2050 uh, or 2045, we're going to achieve self-aware AI or general artificial intelligence, um, which essentially is uh, creating like a world where AI can teach itself and um, it's when we have achieved singularity. Um, so so it's, it's exciting to think about that. I don't know necessarily if it's going to happen, but we're definitely on the right track. And um, I, for one, I'm really excited for it. That's, that's awesome. I think also I'm trying to calculate how that will be so I can use that technology for me and for my family. <laughs> so I think we still have time, which is great. Thank you for sharing. Um, now I want to shift to personal happiness because right now, you know what I've noticed for myself when I came from a business trip from Brazil, it's like coming to a different space. You know, it was a first week of lockdown and I walk in my house and everybody's in panic running around. Even my kids were talking about coronavirus, a virus and Russian language saying how terrible it is. And it took me time to really find my happiness. It's like, how do I reflect on myself and how do I find happiness? Like I had my silver lining when I went for a run and I don't like running in the morning and I listened to the podcast. And now I just find my silver lining and it inner connecting to myself and finding ways to be happy. I have the list of to do, to learn. And I wanted to ask you, Heather, is like, what are the things that you're finding for your own happiness? What makes you happy today? And do you have more time to find those little things? And what are they? Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like they're, this is allowing a lot of people to take a moment and kind of reset and rethink about maybe what some of their priorities were previously. And if those things are really important anymore, now that things have changed so much, I'm really thankful that I am, a, I am very happy being home. I think it's because I'm a cancer and they're like a hermit. I'm very happy being in my house. And um, as much as I love social interaction and I get a lot of enjoyment from it, I've kind of enjoyed this break and I've been able to get a lot of projects done around my house. I've been able to go on a lot of hikes. 
Um, I've finally been able to convert my attic into um, an art space. So I've definitely been able to kind of stop and reflect a little bit on um, what's important to me, the people I want to spend time with, um, and sort of the things I want to spend my time on. And I find every week it tends to be a little different, probably because I need to keep a little variety in my life. So I tend to change it up a little bit. No, that's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. I think that the, the artistic side and, you know, projects that you are maybe procrastinating, you are able to complete and now enjoying that, that satisfaction of completion, right? Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. And let's try with Amanda again in the mountains. What about you? How are you finding your happiness? Time has been so interesting. I'm sure we all feel that way. And my work has been incredibly intense. So that's probably spending more time working, but I do have more time for myself also, which is so interesting without commuting, without you know, lots of meetings without travel. There's just, there's more time for everything. But alas, I have lots of friends that are doing super productive things like learning a second language or learning how to play the piano. I haven't quite, I'm embarrassed to say, I haven't quite figured that out yet. So I'm a little bit of a cliche, but I've been um, learning a few new recipes. Uh, mostly banana bread. <laughs> I've been uh, watching Narcos Mexico, which is very immersive. I highly recommend it. And um, I found which are really enjoyable. I've been taking Tracy Anderson, um, which is a, a game changer. Nice. Thank you so much, Amanda. I, I think we got um, most of it. And I know that the recipes and uh, Tracy Anderson and uh, Narcos, right? I think that's where I get. Awesome. Thank you so much. I, um, I think my next question is, um, and I wanted to share my personal things that I, that, that I on my to learn list. I, um, I was dreaming and I always looked at DJs with those little headphones and, you know, doing the DJing and I, I, don't know how to do it, but I recently downloaded the app on the on my iPad and I started to play with it and I feel so great. And in the morning walks, I started to create my own playlist and how would I mix it? So that was my little project for myself. The next question I have is about influencers because what I've noticed, we were so uh, into social media and bloggers and influencers and travel bloggers and whoever had their own influencers. I think with this pandemic, what I've noticed is things are shifting to real influencers and thought leaders and, you know, the governors and the people that are really making an impact in a difficult situation. So I wanted to ask you, Camilia, like, who is, is your biggest influencer right now today Think outside of your family, because we always probably defer to, you know, mom and dad or somebody really personally connected in, in the family. But think outside of that and share with us why they are important in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to I want to name um, two people. One of them is Mariam Rezahani. Uh, she was a professor in Stanford, the only woman who have ever um, gotten a Fields Medal in math, which is the equivalent of a Nobel Prize. 
Um, and that's, that's an inspiring story. I went to school with her. Um, she was a few years older than me, and uh, unfortunately, she has passed away. Uh, but her journey and what she have achieved and what it means for all the technical women or women who are interested in STEM, um, that has always been a true inspiration for me and for a lot of the, the ladies that I know. Um, so that's one of them. And then the second one is Cheryl Sinberg. Um, I have a lot of respect for her. I think she does a lot of great work for inclusion and diversity. I've attended some of her talks, and I think like uh, the fact that she shared her journey and wrote a book and kind of uh, you know like stepped up uh, to to speak a lot uh, for women. Um, it's quite inspiring. That's amazing. Thank you. I you know seeing women in history and especially how it impacted you personally. That's very inspiring to see. Thank you. And Amanda, we're going to try again. Who, who is your biggest influencer in your life? Juliana, Juliana, I totally agree with you. I feel, especially now, celebrities and influencers feel really, a lot of them feel really irrelevant. Um, maybe not Stanley Tucci nor John Krasinski, but most um, or, you know, many feel very tone deaf right now. And what I'm craving is real news and information. So I live in New York City, which was which is the COVID hotspot of the world, and it's been really intense. Um, and our governor, uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo, has been giving daily news briefings. And for me and for many people around the country, it's must-see TV. And he starts the briefings with facts and data and science, um, yet his delivery has great humanity. Um, so it's been very clarifying for me and a voice of reason amidst a lot of, um, a lot of noise. Um, and that's really what I've been craving in my life uh, right now is um, honesty and reality. This is great. Thank you so much. I, I, I agree with you. And I'm even knowing the politicians and how they act and react in the situation, how they look up to each other. And also this, uh, we're in this together and helping, you know, the states, helping states and then the countries and going globally. I, I totally agree with you that thought leadership and people and the way they are even expressing daily and even in companies, you know, if we think about leadership in companies or where we work, that we look up to every single day and what are they bringing, the leadership bringing to us. And just the little, little information that they bring is so important and we're so in tune to every single word they're saying because they are leading our path and we, we have this trust in them that everything will be fine. So thank you. Thanks for that um, uh, note. And um, the last question, I know we have um, five minutes left and it's perfect. Um, I have a question for Heather. Uh, if you go back in time, what would adv what advice would you give your 15-year-old self? Because if we think about today, women especially, you know, we become resilient when we grow and where we are today. We really learn from our mistakes and taking risks. But sometimes, you know, you, you think like, what? I would just tell myself, do this, and then the life would be so much better in the future. So, Heather, what would you say to yourself when you were little, 15? Well, it's funny that you use 15 because I was thinking about this the past couple weeks, and 15 was the age I got my first legal retail job um, working at Kids R Us as a stock girl. 
And I can remember an experience I had then that had it happened now would be so different because of who I have become over the years. And I think the biggest thing that I didn't do then, which I still work through every day, is I, I can be a people pleaser. I worry a lot about making other people happy. And I worry a lot that people approve of my choices or what I'm doing. And not that I've walked completely away from that. I just think I have learned over the years that what my opinion of myself is just as important and what I want to do is just as important. And I think at that young age, I just didn't even realize that was an option. And I wish I could have, you know, had her spoke up a little bit more, speak up a little bit more in some of the situations she was, I was faced with at a younger age. Um, but at the same time, I think it's kind of helped me be who I am today, which I'm still trying to figure out that balance of people pleasing, but yet pleasing myself because it's hard. And especially for me personally, as like a mom, I'm always like looking to take care of people, but then, you know, we have to take care of ourselves too. And I think I just, I wish I had done a better job of that at a younger age um, than I have done. This is so great. Thank you so much. It sounds like this looking good act, you know, when we are teenagers, especially when we grow and we try to fit in, in the teens. And I've noticed that, and I would love to have, you know, more women like you, Heather, speak to the teenage girls where they, they go through this motion of, you know, fitting in, looking good. But how can they really speak up and think their mind and don't and then just have that in mind that whatever they think it's their their thinking and, and it's not going to impact us personally. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. that that's great. Yeah. And Camilla, what about you? What would you, um, you know, give yourself and advice when you were 15? Yeah, very similar to what Heather said. I think uh, when, when I was 15, uh, pretty much like a lot of the 15-year-olds, I was very focused on fitting in and being what I thought was normal like everybody else. Uh, but during my life, I have recognized the things that have made me be who I am today are the things that was actually setting me apart from everybody else. So I would tell myself, be bold, be who you want to be, and don't worry about fitting in and being like other people because you're different for a reason and that's what you should follow. Um, so very much like that. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, with that, we finished our um, interview. I know we may have a couple questions, so um, I can read them if you want, um, Manu. Or uh, yes, we have uh, four questions, uh, three questions here on Zoom, and one question on our Facebook Live. Okay, I can um, first you one. Can read it. Okay, go ahead. So from anonymous. Um, a person with everyone working remote today, what do you see as the biggest pros and cons of this situation? Do you see this as a something that more companies will apply on their employees in the future? There's definitely a lot of positives to remote work, especially if you think about from a leadership standpoint, you can access a lot of different talent that you might not have normally had access to by opening the scope of who you can hire. Um, I think it gives a lot of people some just breathing room to not have to worry about a three or four hour commute or going on a train. It it creates just a little bit more calmness. And depending on what the work is, 
I find you're actually very efficient if you are very diligent about the work you're getting done. I do think though, there is still always going to be some element of having to interact with people. Just even those like casual hallway conversations are the places where you get to know people and notice their shoes and tell them how cute they look. And you can't really do that if you're just constantly on the phone or on Zoom. And that's, I find for myself, that's how I start building rapport and relationships with people, whether internally or externally. And so I would hope that people will still crave that same desire to connect. Um, but I do think there's a lot of efficiency in the remote work concept. No, that's great. Thank you so much. Um, I have a question for Amanda specifically for New York City. Where do you pick, when do you picture yourself going to an actual restaurant for dinner in New York City? That's a tough one. And meanwhile, you know, I'm a classic New Yorker. Uh, in normal times, I go out to eat five to six, or we take in food five to six nights a week. Um, restaurants are tough. I just read a statistic that um, from, I think it was Danny Meyer, a very famous restaurateur, saying that he thought 75% of restaurants may not reopen. So this is where, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a while uh, in New York with the restaurants. I think there are some things that will, you know, are easier to open, but restaurants are going to be tough. And in New York City, with the amount of people and the density and the amount of people that are jammed into small um, settings, it's, it's going to be a challenge. Got it. Thank you. Sorry for that very unclear answer. <laughs> no, but I think restaurants would be one of the, you know, that and the theater is going to be really hard to bring back soon. Absolutely. And, you know, it's a, it's a shame not to talk too much about New York, but what makes New York wonderful and vital and dynamic are all the things that are shut right now. So it's, it's really, it makes me so deeply sad. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I feel it, you know, even with the distance and what the things that I love about New York is, and we also think other areas, you know, like, okay, well, anywhere in the world, even if you want a world traveler, love to travel, you go to places and you get disappointed because you don't have to share experience and see things differently. And it's, it's, it's definitely heartbreaking. So um, have a question for the panel. Have you noticed any improvement in their team's productivity as a result of uh, during the lockdown? So I can take a first stab at it. I have been working with a couple of startups advising them and um, I, I have noticed a little bit of a productivity boost. Uh, I think just because people don't spend the time on commute and the engineering teams have the flexibility to be on Slack all day and available through, you know, like FaceTime or Zoom calls. Um, there has been a lot of productivity boost uh, in a very focused format. Um, but it's kind of interesting because I find it that there are days that uh, people are very productive, but then there are days that are um, they're, they're absolutely not productive. So it's very binary as opposed to a distributed way that it regularly is in an office environment. It's kind of interesting. And I was going to say that, um, you know, with, I don't even know, know what the number is right now, 30 million, 40 million Americans uh, filing for unemployment that those that have jobs right now are really, I think for the most part, are really happy to have a job. 
and doubling down and working extra diligently to make sure that they're producing. Um, and I see that from, from my own team as well. Um, everybody is very dedicated to the mission um, and making sure that we're successful. This is so true. Absolutely. I've noticed that myself and in also in the way that we don't have to be um, managed. You know, we are all you know, fighting for the same goal. And we also with the trust because we are the frontliners, you know, for the business. When you have that weight, you really want to make an impact. And also when you see real results, the satisfaction that you see in this situation is tripled, you know, in versus the regular situation. So yeah, every single success is, is really celebrated by everybody and everybody is just cheering for every single good news that we get. So I've, I've noticed that in the, in the productivity as well. Um, question, another question. If you are president of the country and you can pick the country, um, in this situation, what order would you give in the first two weeks of the lockdown and why? Let's, let's just imagine us as presidents of the country, you know, and of course it's hard to imagine a female president. It, it's really like we have ways to go, but let's imagine well, I so, don't think um, it's, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it's, I don't find it hard to imagine a female president. That, to me, is not the challenge. <laughs> I would much prefer that right now. Um, but I think when people's, you know, it's, I, I understand the, um, you know, the, there's pros and cons. Um, you know, the economic fallout has been, I mean, unfathomable. Um, I just stated those unemployment numbers. And what's, you know, happening, it's not just America, what's happening around the world, but, you know, people's lives and their health are the most important thing. So I think that is what has to be protected first and foremost. And then the financial fallout and repercussions, I think, happen thereafter. Then you, then you tackle those. Absolutely. Heather, you want to go into saying something? I think it's interesting to think about because a lot of it is so in hindsight. And, but I do think that there's been some, some examples of some countries that have handled it differently than we have, like the Netherlands and just the way that they, um, they still put a lot of restrictions in place, but it was just a bit, not as extreme. Um, and I know every area of the country is different. So it's not just cut and dry across the board. But I do, I, it has been impressive to see uh, the responses from other countries, how they've handled it, how they've managed um, through it, how they've brought people back. And nothing against the way we have handled it. I just think everyone has managed it really differently. And it's been really interesting to see the results from it, of uh, the spread, um, and whether or not it's going to sustain for us long term, or if we have another peak to be concerned with down the road. Got it. Thank you. Thank you, Heather. Camelia, do you want to comment? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to comment for um, the people who have lost their jobs. Uh, I think even though the financials are not uh, the first priority, but after the lockdown, I would have um, introduced a universal basic income guaranteed for people from day one. 
um, to kind of like put their mind at ease that even though you might get layoff, you're seeing layoff right now from companies left and right, um, it will be okay. And you should prioritize your health and your family's health at this point and not worry about the finances, especially for a country as rich as the United States. I think that's something we could have done and we should have done much better. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. I know that there was a question. Yeah, about- interesting, Camilla. I was going to say it's so interesting, Camelia, that you bring that up because uh, Andrew Yang, who was the presidential contender, it seems he was very prescient at the time. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Now, it, now in the hindsight, it looks like he was absolutely right. <laughs> awesome. Um, question about unemployment folks and the people who lost jobs throughout this pandemic. What advice would you give them uh, in this unfortunate situation? I've talked to a lot of people the past, I don't know, it seems like the past two or three weeks um, that have either gone through furlough or been laid off, um, which it's happening to everybody. I think that one piece of advice that I have shared after talking to a lot of people is, I know it's scary financially to not have a job. At the same time, it'll also be scary to just jump into something just because. I think we kind of have a moment to reflect on what's going on, what we want ourselves to do. Um, I kind of almost see it as like breaking up with someone. You don't want to just jump into a new relationship. You kind of want to date around, see who's out there. And right now, because we're all in lockdown, there's not much out there. So it's pretty rough. Um, And that's where I think a lot of the networking has come into play. Really talking to a lot of like thought leaders and reaching out to people like never before. I've had, I just know myself, I've had so many people reach out to want to talk. And I, just making the time to talk to people that I normally would have never talked to and just brainstorming ideas. I think people are really enjoying that and it's helping keeping them motivated um, because it, 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 is, it is a little bleak feeling right now, but obviously all of our hope is that things turn around and they're not gonna be the same as before. They're gonna be different, but as long as we're fairly resilient through it and carving our own path as we go, I think in a lot of cases, hopefully some people will look back on this as, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people looking back on it negatively, but hopefully there's also some that look back and see it as a bit of a blessing in some cases. At least I'm trying to, I always look for the silver lining, so. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Um, Camelia, I wanted to say something. Yeah, I was just going to add um, that from what I see on social networks, from Twitter to, you know, like apps like Blind and other apps, uh, there is a ton of resources out there to help each other. People are extremely generous at this time. They're offering to do resume writing help or, you know, like refer you to the companies who are still hiring tech or otherwise. So don't be shy, reach out and keep at it. There's still a ton of opportunities out there and there's no reason not to go after them or be shy about it. No, that's great. I've also noticed that the people offering free consultations and things like that and um, have, have, taking that time to really reflect on what you want in life, it's a, it's a breakdown moment where maybe this wasn't the right job. Maybe there's something else that I want to do. 
writing it down really clearly connecting to your inner self is like what's my next step in the career and using this to find this way and find a pathway and not rushing through because we don't have any other distractions to to really have us focus on what we really want in our life i think there's more questions thing most difficult thing people um, question from Facebook. What do you think that is the most difficult thing of leading people in times like this uh, that we're living now? I find it's hard to always, always stay positive. I like to be positive. I like to be encouraging. I don't like to sugarcoat things. But at the same time, I do try to look at the bright side sometimes. And I think there's definitely been moments where it's like, this just sucks. And I can't make anyone feel better because I can't make myself feel better. And so I think those have been a few times I've had during this that I never really had before. And that's why I think keeping um, some of the advice, I think, Amanda, you mentioned about having those morning meetings with your team, staying connected with them, whether it's good or bad. I think it's just it's important to stay connected with your teams and just know how they're all feeling a lot because everyone's just going through a lot emotionally. And so it's good to just be in tune with that, I think. I totally agree. And I would say, you can hear me. Um, I would say also just being um, a little more flexible about expectations um, because everyone is dealing with um, a different manifestation with, I mean, we've talked about homeschooling your children and your husband in the same room on a, on a competing Zoom call. <laughs> um, and there's all sorts of, and we're all trying to figure out how to be productive. And, you know, we're the lucky ones, you know, we're, um, you know, my, for my team, we're all healthy. <laughs> um, but just managing expectations and giving people a little more, a little more, a little more room. Thank you so much. This has been really, really inspiring conversation. And thank you everybody for questions. Um, I felt really great and connected with all of you. And thank you for inspiration, your leadership. And if you're interested in reading, artic reading articles about every single lady on this uh, podcast, please do. We'll, we'll share that. And thank you again for joining. And please stay healthy and safe. And hopefully we'll, we'll stay connected. <laughs>